Parenting is a full-time job, and providing effective support for today's teens can be challenging. The Parent Engage 360 podcast aims to provide connections and information from experts in the fields of chemical health, mental health, internet safety, and more. It's a comprehensive view on parenting, provided in a personal, convenient format. Tune in to today's episode of the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. Hello, and welcome to the Parent Engage 360 podcast. I'm Liz Burgard, the Parent Involvement Coordinator. Human connection matters. As a co-founder of his company named Till360, Joe Beckman's mission has been to reclaim human connection in school communities throughout the world. We are looking forward to having a conversation with Joe today as to why human connection matters and the things that we can do as parents to support ourselves, our kids, and our communities. Joe, thank you so much for being here today, and we look forward to hearing the amazing things that you have to share with our audience. Liz and Tim, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. We're just going to jump right in. And um, for the people who listened to our last podcast, we decided to start our show with a fun question. And since we're a school district, Joe, can you think back to what part of elementary school do you wish that you could or would incorporate into your adult life? Yeah, this was uh, this was one that I thought a lot about because I loved elementary school <laughs> and there were so many fond memories. And as a a parent of four children right now, uh, it's hard to to go against nap time, which was a, a great practice back when I was in kindergarten. Uh, however, I um, I don't know how to nap all that well, never have been good at it. And so I, I, I'm really going to go to my other favorite part of elementary school, which was recess. And what I loved about recess at my elementary school is A, we had it twice a day, one short one before lunch and then one or like mid-morning and then one after lunch. And uh, I loved the fact that sort of everybody was kind of out there playing. It was a great break for your brain. It was something to look forward to. Um, and one of the things that I was thinking about is like, you know what? We didn't really have, at least growing up, maybe this is uh, ages me a little bit, but uh, we didn't have so many adults hovering around us all the time. And so it was kind of our time to be able to make our decisions, play our games, do it the way we wanted to. Um, and uh, yeah, I wish I wish we could have more of that today as an adult. Like I wish I could find time where I can just play, you know what I mean? And uh, enjoy life like I used to on the recess, uh, the the elementary recess, like football field or, you know, just wherever we were playing. I know, just thinking back to like kickball when I thought I was really good at kickball or getting like kids together just to do something, playing under the swing set. I don't know, all of those fun things that we got to do. Yeah. And you didn't have to think about it. And it's, you know, like in those times, like human connection, like that is just inherent in that time. And so like, it wasn't like you said, we didn't think about it. It didn't take so much brain calories to figure out, you know, like, how to connect or who to connect with. We, everyone just kind of played with everybody at that time, at least at my school. Uh, and yeah, I feel like human connection is a challenging thing as we'll talk about. It's something that our brains don't necessarily love to do because it's hard. Um, and when we can find times where it's inherently like embedded into whatever we are doing, um, I think it just makes it a little bit easier. And recess was one of those times where it was definitely embedded. <laughs> Maybe we should bring it back. Yeah, I think so. At all ages. <laughs> At all ages, I think so. 
Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Some people maybe um, know who you are and there might be some people that are new to the work that you do and share a little bit about yourself and your journey of how you got to writing two books and speaking to schools nationwide and you became a pretty big, big deal. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the The whole thing started when I was in, in high school. I, I was a pretty good athlete and I injured uh, my back early on my freshman year and I was told that I couldn't play contact sports anymore. And so being somebody that doesn't necessarily know how to sit still, I um, I, I sat out for a year and didn't really do very much and it was getting to me and I had an opportunity where I could try out for a play. And honestly, deep down, I've always wanted to do something like that. My mom would always take me to a place in Minneapolis every year called the Children's Theater. And I remember even as a kid thinking that would be so awesome, but I never had any opportunities to do that. We were a sports-minded family and that's just kind of what we did. And now, lo and behold, I, I, I can't mm-hmm. play. And this opportunity comes where I can try out for a musical. And lo and behold, I got a part and I loved it. And my kind of story goes like my I was kind of cleared. If I wanted to go back and play, I, I could. Um, but Or I could do theater because I couldn't really do both at the same time with everything else going on. And so I stuck with theater. I did it all the way through high school. It was my major at St. John's University up in Collegeville where I went to college. And performance was something that I've always, you know, just felt called to do since then. Uh, The fact is I've also really loved working with kids and that's something that I've always kind of been Mm -hmm. good at. And so we're I could kind of figure out like, this is kind of what I'm good at, like working with kids. This is what, um, like I'm like called to do in many, and this is what I'm talented as is, is performance. How can I kind of put the two together? And, um, I I kind of thought I was going to be an actor and do that role and go off and kind of pursue that dream. And I received a a role in a, a small nonprofit there's a company that did plays in schools called Climb Theater, and they do stuff all around the Twin Cities and all around the Midwest. And for two years, I, I, I did that and I loved it, but it was um, it, it, it limited in many ways. And so uh, a few years, uh, two years after I was joined, I joined them. I worked for an organization that did retreats in schools called Youth Frontiers, and I loved that job. And part of that job were the speaking engagements. So like we would work with an entire grade for, you know, an entire day. And there would be these two 15 to 20 minute segments within the day where we could give a talk. And I love that so much that I thought, what if I could just do the talking thing? And what if I could just kind of do this on my own and pursue this and see if I could make, you know, uh, a business out of it. And I looked at my wife and this was about seven or eight years ago. And I said, if we build it, I think they will come. Uh, and we built it and nobody came, right? It was like, uh, (laughs) I had all these side jobs in order to just put food on the table and keep the lights on. And I got lucky through just a couple opportunities where, um, I was able to get a couple at bats and figure a few things out. And that led to some other opportunities. And, um, and from there, it slowly started to build. And uh, but a, a lot of it was based, and I always talk to 
to people about this on not not failure as much as it certainly wasn't like if you were to give my talks a grade early on as I was going out, <laughs> maybe like a C, C minus if I was lucky. And it was through that process that I was able to go, okay, what what stories are sticking the most? What jokes are the funniest? What ones never land and what ones, you know? And so it's like, I just tried different things at every different school I would have an opportunity to speak at. And slowly but surely over time, I was able to see some themes and topics and stories that really, really stuck. And one that never ever um, like lost its glimmer was this human connection. It, it was this idea that, more than ever in our world, connection was so incredibly important. And every time I would talk about that, it would resonate with the crowd, whether it was adults or whether it was students. And so um, I built a message around human connection and tried different things with that and stories. And eventually, again, things stuck. And it was from there that I went, okay, I think we have something. I think these are messages that really, really connect and resonate. And now it's time to write a book about it because I can only speak so many places in a year. Um, and there's only so mm -hmm. much time that I have. How can we amplify this message so that it can connect and resonate with people who maybe aren't able to see a live event? And so it made sense to, to write a book at that point. And um, we thought it would sell 500 copies if we were lucky. And three years later, it's sold over 50,000 copies. And wow. I don't say that to brag or anything. I don't even think that in like the big scheme of things, that's, that's a whole big deal. But for me, it's huge. And it's it mm -hmm. speaks less uh, about me and my ability to write and all of that and way more <laughs> to this idea that human connection and this idea around it um, is being craved sort of more than ever. And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, that's kind of how we got to the point where we're at right now. And we are in the process of just putting the last few T's and I's, uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's on our second book that's going to be coming out in March. I love to hear your story. I heard you speak at our um, back to school event for administrators and teachers, and then also at our December 5th event that you host that we hosted together for parents. But the interesting things that I take away from hearing it again is um, even outside of the human connection and where you ended up is just the uh, experiences that you had at Climb Theater and Youth Frontiers and really leaning into your skill set and learning a lot about yourself and the joy that you found from each of those experiences and dreaming and dreaming big with your wife of, of what this could look like and then the perseverance to get there. Because I think sometimes we set for, set out with a goal or a thought or idea and maybe don't follow through with it. And or like you said, you start out with a C and you're like, well, I'm okay at this. I'm not that great. But I love the part of your story that you just you keep doing it and you you keep getting better and you really honed in on what was working. And then from all of that hard work, the the point of human connection just shone through. And I think, as you mentioned, that it is something even seven, eight, nine, ten, all of our whole lifetimes is something that we've craved on and recess and when we were in elementary school. But even through COVID and now as we're uh, redefining who we are as humans and, and, and as adults, the theme of human connection has been so important. And I do agree with what you're saying is that we crave it now more than ever, but maybe don't necessarily have the skills or the time or the bandwidth to work on our own skills and, and connecting with other humans. Um, so thank you for sharing your story with us. I um, learn so much from you every time I hear you speak. 
Um, on December 5th, you uh, partnered with our district to do an event for our Parent Engage 360 series. And for our listeners who may not have been in attendance, can you give some cliff notes on kind of what you shared with our attendees? Yeah. Um, well, I, I always start, and I think it's important if we're going to have a conversation around this, just if I'm listening as a parent, I would love to be able to, to walk away from this podcast going, okay, I can apply this, this, and this sort of in my life in, in the way I mm-hmm. can do it. And so um, one thing that I think is important that is, it's a little bit less about what I talked about and just more about the approach in general is, as I use, if you remember, story. And I think story is one of the most powerful ways that we can engage a brain, engage a heart, engage a mind. Um, and so I use story as a way to sort of enter in to this conversation around human connection. And I share a story from my life where I remember it, you know, it happened over 35 years ago, but I remember it like it happened 35 seconds ago. And you know, uh, the part of the the reason I remember it is because there was a an influential adult who took time out of his life through connection to make an impact on me. And I use that story as a way to tie in this overall theme of, of human connection. And I, I think as we approach these kind of conversations with, you know, our kids and when it comes to like, how do I even like start this, I, I think story is one of those tools that we can use as parents as a way to, to talk about something that's important to us. So if human connection is valuable and important to you and your family, if this is something that you want to practice or you want to be more intentional, uh, trying to find some place or a story from your life where you know you can remember how important that was to you is an awesome way to just ease into the conversation uh, to get it started to begin with. I think that um, when when I've heard you speak insane again about the influential adult, I've been really working on um, just being more cognizant, especially with because I have young children as as you do. Um, just really taking the time to stop what I'm doing, whether it's with my cell phone or work things or just life, and trying to really build that connection with them and to ask them questions about themselves and getting at their level. And really just trying to be present in what I'm doing as a parent and then also with my kids on sporting events or other things that my kids are involved in is also with their friends, just making sure that it seems like that they're heard or just checking in to say hello. Um, I think from what you've taught me this year is just really taking that time to do that. And and sometimes it feels awkward or sometimes it's maybe not something you're comfortable with, but it's just taking the time to say hello or asking someone how they're doing, sending them a text. I think those are all things that um, from your story that you shared with an influential adult that really impacted your life is something that I've been taking away to really trying to do a better job at. So thank you for that. As you know, um, people are spending a lot of times on screens. It's addicting for all of us. I would say most of our population is probably addicted to their cell phone in some capacity or another. And we know that humans are feeling less connected at a high, and there's higher levels of of mental illness or mental challenges. Um, can you explain a little bit more why human connection is important, and how do you think we can help to reverse the negative effects of it with excessive screen time and social media usage and things like that? Yeah, I I think the first way is to call it out for what it is. Um, it is 
an addiction. It's mm-hmm. a dopamine hit. It's the same thing that you get to your brain that you get when you smoke a cigarette or when you gamble or when you, any other vice. Um, a lot of times, you know, we're craving this, this dopamine hit and our phones and our screens and the technology that we have in 2023 um, at our fingertips at all times gives us that quick dopamine fix. And so if we can just call it out for what it is, it is an addiction. And I, I talk about how mm-hmm. my mom, when I was uh, you know, born in a hospital in St. Paul in 1979, she was addicted to cigarettes. And we knew so little about that addiction in 1979 that she was able to, as the doctor told her to rest and relax, light up a cigarette and smoke it in the room that she had me in. And we look back now so many years later and we say, what were we thinking? How did we not know? Like, cause you know, if a doctor would have come in, they wouldn't have said, put it out. You know, they said, you want an ashtray, right? It's like, how would we, how did we not, <laughs> but we, we didn't, we didn't know what we didn't know. And it took us time to figure out that this, you know, product was being filled with things that, you know, nobody wanted us to know about. Big Tobacco was good at what they do. They marketed their product and not, didn't tell everybody with the things that were in it. And Big Tech mm-hmm. is not all that different. There are people who are making millions of dollars, you know, putting different fixes into these screens and apps and phones that create that dopamine fix because they know that that becomes addicting. And the more we look down at our screens, the more we're scrolling, the more we're watching other people's advertisements and things of that nature, mm-hmm. the more money other people are making. And so I, I think it's important that we call it out for what it is. And it's super powerful. Like it's really hard to resist. Like once we have that hit, it's like, it's like if try to like sit for five minutes and just do nothing, and it's really, really challenging to do in 2023 because we're mm-hmm. so used to getting, you know, stimulated at any given moment. Um, and so I, I think it's important that we call it out. It's important to be intentional and carve out time in our lives where the phone just doesn't go. So if you remember, we talked about at the parent event um, that I believe that there needs to be places and spaces where mm-hmm. the phone just doesn't go. We call them sacred spaces. And, and the reason the phone, we need to be detached from the phone is, is because it's really, really hard to resist that temptation, right? The people who are behind the apps and the phones, they are very good with the blings and the rings and the notifications. Um, and our brains love that fix. And so um, I, I think it's incredibly important that we separate from that, like physically, where the phone just doesn't go. For our family, um, the dinner table is one spot that phones are not allowed and the bedroom at night. Um, it doesn't come their alarm clock. It, um, I just don't, yeah, like it's, it's, they have to separate their brains and their hearts away from this, the screen and the tech, because, you know, it, what we know is that it feels good. The dopamine hit feels good. Right. And so we crave it. And if it's right there at our fingertips at any given time, it's really hard to resist that temptation. And it's really hard to, as a parent, to set those boundaries because you know that it is addicting and we're probably, a lot of us are also addicted to our phones, but I think it is really important to set that stage and have those sacred spaces, like you mentioned, to say at the dinner table, we're going to be a phone a, a free of our phones. Or like you had mentioned at bedtime, I mean, my alarm clock is my phone, which I 
appreciate when you said we have hardwired alarm clocks in our bedroom. So I'm like, we should probably get one of those. So just making little changes that are, that it kind of seems overwhelming to get in those battles with your kids sometimes about getting off of their phone or for me to just stop using it and setting it down, but to setting up the spaces that are the sacred ones in your home in and making small steps and small changes instead of doing everything at once as well, I think is important. So I, I think it's also incredibly important to make a note about modeling this for our kids, ourselves as adults and as parents, because I don't know about you, but I am really mm-hmm. good at saying one thing, but then doing another thing. And my kids love it when they can find right. moments where they can call me out <laughs> on being a hypocrite. And um, so I, I think it's just really important that we're, we're walking the walk and not just talking the talk as, as parents. Um, which is mm-hmm. hard because we're addicted to, again, like it's not this, what they've done, <laughs> what they're really good at is it's, it doesn't just impact younger kids or teenagers, or it, this is stuff that our, our brains are hardwired to, you know, get and feel this, this dopamine hit. And so um, it's, it's important that we're being intentional about it because it impacts us as adults, um, sometimes equally as it does mm-hmm. kids. Uh, and then the last thing I would say is, it's really important to to also approach this conversation with the with the why. Um, it's not because I don't love you or because I want to throw a bunch of rules on you. It's actually because I love you more than anything in this world, mm-hmm. and it's my job as a parent to set you up so that you can be the best human being. And what we know through not just uh, science but our own intuition is that we're better when we are together. And human connection Mm -hmm. is something that all of us benefit from, uh, our own happiness, our own health. But we also know that it's a practice like golf Mm -hmm. and guitar. And if we don't practice connection, it can be really easy um, to, it, it, it can be really easy for it to be, you know, to atrophy basically. And to, for us to get to lose our skills at it. And it's, it's a hard thing to do. So it's, it's really Mm -hmm. important that we're practicing it because it, it's something that benefits all of us in so many ways. I couldn't agree with what you said more. Um, Just the practicing it and being intentional and being a role model for our kids is the best thing that we can do. And knowing that what we're trying to do as parents and as adults is to raise our next generation of, of adults and to make sure that they have the skills and the tools that they need to be successful when they become 18 and get to make choices for themselves and and their journey into adulthood. And so kind of along that same, um, I, I know sometimes it's hard to set those boundaries and sometimes it's hard to have conversations with, with your kids about difficult topics or topics that maybe you're not too familiar with. But when we were at our event on the 5th, you provided us with some nice resources that will link into the uh, podcast software that people could get afterwards. But can you talk a little bit about the values exercise and the caveman screen plan and how parents and guardians can use these tools to help um, imp- have conversations with their kids and really um, start the conversation? I thought it was just a really cool, easy thing to do. And as you know, my kids were at the event and it was fun to do that with them as well. For sure. The values activity is an awesome activity because it allows you as a family to identify like what is the most important thing to you. And I guess where I was set it up is this, is that you would be surprised, I think, if you were to have a conversation with your kids and talking about, you know, 
what do we want to be remembered for as a family? And mm-hmm. we only get one shot and we want to use our opportunity in this world to to leave a strong legacy and to be proud of the person we were and the decisions that we made. And it's interesting because you would think like kids these days, if you will, quote unquote, or teenagers, they don't <laughs> want to have a conversation about that. But uh, more so often than not, they're actually interested in that. And mm-hmm. so approaching it from that point of view, uh, I think is incredibly important. Like this is kind of like how we're able to leave the strongest legacy as a family. Um, and that, you know, contributes to our own happiness and our own, you know, self-worth and, you know, just connection with other people and our, and ourselves as a, as a family unit. And so, um, yeah. So I think having that conversation uh, around, the, again, the why uh, is important. Mm-hmm. And then the values activity is is such a strong activity because it allows you as a family to identify what are those like non-negotiable values that you guys want to put at the center point of your sort of family and have be, you know, the the guiding focus. And for us as a family, when we did it, um, the word compassion came out of it. The word optimism came out of it and the word family. Uh, and so what's really nice about it is that by having those words out in the open, we can say as parents, Hey, does, you know, eight hours of you being on Fortnite lead us closer to optimism, compassion, and family, or does it bring us a little for probably a little <laughs> further away? So <laughs> right. we're going to make some decisions based on, on these values Um, And so these aren't just arbitrary mom and dad rules, but this is stuff that, hey, does this bring us closer to these values or no? Um, And so I think it's helpful in a couple ways. It gives us some self-awareness of, you know, what we identify as being strong values in our life. Um, But it also makes life a little bit easier when we have to make tough decisions as parents or enter conversations of something like this of like, hey, um, this is a conversation that brings us closer to, to these values. So it's really important that we have this conversation. Uh, and so basically, as if people want to do the values activity, it starts with a, a big list of values. And basically through, um, you know, a couple different rounds, you get to the point where you identify your top three. And from there, you have a card that you can write those top three on and you can put it in a place where, you know, people can see it just as a way to remind yourselves. Um, so that's that activity. Any questions on that one? No, I just like I thought it was. um really interesting because you think it, there's like a couple different columns and you picked three from each column. And then as you mentioned, you whittled it down to the three most important. And I really liked it from the beginning just to kind of hear what my kids thought were the most important and thinking that we got to pick 12 or however many started with, it was like, wow, we get to pick a lot. And then to have to continue to whittle it down and whittle it down until it was three, even just to hear what they had, what they said were the most important and why, and then having to negotiate and have a conversation to what we were going to pick as our most important three as our family was really valuable for us to do. And we then wrote them on the card that you gave us and then has, have hung that card up. So I think for us, it was just a really great talking point. And for me, even to learn a little bit about my own, my own kids of things that we've never have talked about before. So I, I think um, just piggybacking off of what you had said, it was really valuable and helpful for us. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And it's another thing is it's it's a great opportunity for, so if these are valuable, these are things that you value. When we talked about, you know, using story as a way to instill messages and lessons, um, it'd be an awesome opportunity to find a time. Like for me, 
uh, compassion is one of our top values. And one of the things we do at night as with my youngest kid, or I should say my second youngest, because we just had our fourth. We have a baby. Um, so now, yeah, we have a baby. So it's my <laughs> second, the youngest. He's in fifth grade. Um, and so he loves, so we do this at night. He will pick a, a number, one through 44, because I'm 44 years old. And I have to tell a story from my life from that year. If, oh, that's if, fun. And, you know, sometimes I'm in switching. If he's like 26, I'm like, oh, this could have happened when I was 34 or when I was 18. I can't really remember. <laughs> but a lot of times I'll share stories where compassion is at the center of it or times when I showed mm -hmm. compassion or even the best stories, the ones that he really loves are the times when I was the opposite of that. And I was like, you know, um, disrespectful Maybe or I share a story. Yeah. Where I regret it. And, you know, and, and so, yeah, anyhow, I like using those values as a way to, to kind of find and mine stories, uh, from my life that I can share with them, um, as a way to kind of inherently like let that lesson kind of sink in a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really great. And I think, um, have having you have four kids i have two kids just what you can share with them and and let them see that you also have made mistakes in your lifetime that you maybe aren't perfect um is also really great as well absolutely it's uh it levels the playing field a little bit and i think as adults we forget how much of a pedestal they put us on um because sometimes in our day-to-day -day mm -hmm. interactions it doesn't feel like we're on that high of a pedestal to our kids <laughs> at least mine right. um but uh they do put us there and I think it's one of those things when we can be real and we can be vulnerable and we can be authentic and you don't have to share the deepest, darkest secrets of the things that you've done with your kids, obviously. But, you know, just letting them know that you're real and you're human. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to like kids feeling connected to their parents and when they know that you've also struggled, some of the things that they struggle with, they're much more likely to open up and be honest with you um, and feel like you know what they're going through because you've been mm -hmm. willing to be real and vulnerable. It's it's one of those things where I think as parents and adults, we, we want to shine the, the brightest light on ourselves and all the past experiences. And sometimes that's great. But um, I think where kids really connect is, is when we can share some of the times that we failed and messed up or screwed up or the thing we said so many years ago that we regret to this day mm -hmm. um, and the lessons, again, that we learned from it. I could listen. I could have a conversation with you all day, Joe. I just learn things from you every time we've talked. And when I see, I've seen you in public now <laughs> outside of our, <laughs> our events and our podcast. But as we wrap up our podcast today, I know you've given a lot of really great information and things that we can take away as parents and, and try to do with our own kids. Um, knowing that the topic that we were hitting on is human connection and um, where we are in society right now with cell phone use and just coming out of COVID and having more virtual meetings and human connection maybe isn't at the forefront of our minds. Are there any last takeaways that you would want to share with our audience today as we wrap up our podcast? Yeah, uh, I want to share something that I heard that has really helped me when it comes to creating some connection with my kids. So one of our sacred spaces is uh, where the phone, it's not that it doesn't go, but we're just not on it, is in the car. Um, and one of the things that I am love to do, but sometimes parents, we don't get the best response from our kids is, you know, having them talk about their day. How was your day? It was fine. It was fine. It was good. good. We get the one response and it's like, Egh. and so when I heard this, it really changed the game for me because it allowed us to practice 
connection a little bit more in a in a in a better way than I was approaching it. And so um, the the tip was, you know, start with these four questions. What was the best part of your day? And then they share the best part of their day. Uh, what was mm-hmm. the worst part of your day? Like if you go back and you know, what was the thing that you could take back or what worst part of your day today? And then third question is, what is one kind thing that you did for somebody today? which makes them think and reflect back to something that they did intentionally, whether it's as small as, you know, smiling at a teacher or um, as big as, you know, stepping in for somebody if they were getting picked on. But what's one, one kind thing you did for someone today? And then my favorite one is this, what's one kind thing someone did for you, mm. which forces them to think about the fact that there are people in my life who support me and love me and have my back and, um, you know, and just, again, just looking for little things when they point out different things throughout those questions and I can, you know, uh, add on to that, or I can just leave it as is, but it's, it's been an, an awesome way to, to create a little bit more connection in the car where I ask them to not have their phones and to leave that mm-hmm. as a sacred space, um, and an opportunity for, for us to engage in a conversation that's better than just one word answers and feels like it's like, oh, we have to like go through the checklist uh, of questions <laughs> and just to get through it or whatever it may be. That's awesome. Thanks. I wrote down those things and I'm going to start using them in my world too. Yep. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you for being a partner with Anoka Hennepin and just being an awesome human and reminding us of the importance of human connection. And uh, thank you for all you do to make the world a better place. We appreciate you, Joe Beckman. Absolutely. Thank you guys. And anybody who's listening to this, because if you're taking the time out of your day uh, to listen to a podcast on human connection, it probably means it's important to you or this parent engage podcast, you're entering the conversation and the space because, you know, uh, this means something to you. So I appreciate that. We need as many people having these conversations as we can, and it takes a village and, Um, I just appreciate anyone who's taken the time to listen to this. So thanks for what you guys do. Thank you for listening. This resource is produced as a partnership between the Anoka Hennepin Parent Engagement Program and Student Services Department. Be sure to check out additional episodes in the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. For more information or to share feedback, visit ahschools.us slash parentengage360.